0: Coming up on this week's episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. One of the, the themes also that, um, that comes up over and over again with chronic illness, and I know for myself too, is you know reaching that point of hopelessness or helplessness. Yeah. And there becomes a learned helplessness on top of that when you get punted from doctor to doctor to doctor.
1: Hey everybody, it's Dr. Mark Hyman. Now, before we get started with this week's episode, I wanna tell you about a company called Thrive Market This made it so easy for me to stay healthy, even with my crazy travel schedule. In fact, I believe in them so much that I was one of their first investors over five years ago. Now, when I'm in a rush, I have a little hack for getting a quick and healthy lunch anytime, anyplace. And this hack features one of my favorite superfoods of all time, Wild Planet Pink Salmon, that I order from Thrive Market. It's full of brain-boosting, anti-inflammatory omega-3 fats and plenty of good protein to keep you full and energized throughout the whole day. Now, lots of people struggle to incorporate a good lunch into their workday, especially one with high-quality protein and Wild Planet Pink Salmon is a great solution. Now, I love using it in my big fat salad where I put in fresh arugula, olives, tomatoes, avocados, artichokes, balsamic vinegar, and extra virgin olive oil. It's so good. And I always feel ready to take on the rest of the day after eating it. I just feel super energized. And it's so easy to create a salad like this. It literally takes five minutes. I also make snacks with super seed crackers, some coconut aminos, Wild Planet Pink Salmon. It's just super delicious and easy. Now, eating well doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be expensive. And wild-caught canned salmon from Wild Planet at Thrive Market is a great way to pack a simple lunch or throw together a quick dinner without cooking at all. So not only does Thrive offer great deals and carry all my favorite brands, but they also give back. For every membership purchased, they give a membership to a family who's in need. And right now, Thrive is offering all of our Doctors Pharmacy listeners a fabulous deal. You're gonna receive an extra 25% off your first purchase, plus a free 30-day membership to Thrive. There's no minimum amount to buy, there's no code at the checkout. All you have to do is head over to thrivemarket.com forward slash pharmacy, that's thrivemarket.com forward slash pharmacy, that's with an F, F F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. I think you're going to love them as much as I do. I want to take a minute to talk about a key part of our health that literally makes us better at everything, sleep. And most of us aren't getting our best rest. It's unbelievable that in a world where the benefits of sleep are so well understood that most of us still wake up tired and groggy due to lack of good quality sleep. But there is actually a proven solution that I found for getting high quality rest. And it involves simply breathing through your nose instead of your mouth. And there's something that helps you do that. It's called SomniFix Strips. Now SomniFix Strips gently hold your lips together while you sleep, preventing you from mouth breathing and facilitating nose breathing instead. Breathing through your nose has so many benefits. It protects against mouth dryness and nasal congestion. It boosts your oxygen saturation for enhanced focus and it helps naturally produce nitric oxide that kills bacteria and supports immunity. And if you or your partner snores, well, Somnifix Strips also eliminate snoring so that you can finally get some amazing sleep. If the idea of taping your mouth shut while you sleep sounds intimidating, don't worry. Somnifix Strips use a gentle hypoallergenic adhesive and have a built-in breathing vent so that you can easily breathe through your mouth if you really need to. Everyone deserves to get a great night's sleep, so I'm excited to share this great offer from SomniFix with you. So go to SomniFix.com, that's Somni, S-O-M-N-I-Fix.com, and use the code PHARMACY, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, at checkout to take 15% off your first order. Taking on every day with energy starts with a great night's sleep. And Simon Effect strips are a proven solution. I hope you'll check them out to see how good your mornings can feel. And now let's get back to this episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Welcome to The Doctor's Pharmacy. This is Dr. Mark Hyman, and that's Pharmacy with an F-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, a place for conversations that matter. And if you've been ill, if you know someone who's been ill, if you've had struggles with chronic disease like I have, And like our guest has, then this show is going to help you figure out a different way of thinking about it and give you hope because a lot of times when we get sick, we feel hopeless and that's not good because we actually have ways to think about disease quite differently. And our guest today is going to share as a physician how she's reimagined medicine for herself as well as used a new medicine to help heal her chronic diseases. Our guest is Dr. Cynthia Lee. She received her medical degree from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. She's practicing internist in many settings. She's been at Kaiser Permanente, San Francisco General Hospital, St. Anthony's Medical Clinic. She served the homeless. She's worked in in very remote rural areas in China, helping with HIV patients. She's worked with partners in health and all kinds of amazing community-based ways of healing people. Her personal health challenges have really led her to a very different view of medicine that we learned in medical school, integrative and functional medicine. And she now has a private practice in Berkeley. She's on the faculty of the Healers Art Program at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine. And she's written a remarkable new book called Brave New Medicine. It's her first book, but it's an important book as you'll see why as we have this conversation. So welcome Dr. Cynthia Lee.
0: Thank you so much for having me here.
1: So we were just chatting before the show and it was kind of remarkable hearing your story because it seems in in a lot of ways we've gone down the same path, which is trained in traditional medicine, both suffered from a series of different chronic diseases, which were mysterious and strange that traditional medicine can't help with. And... We both were in China and got sick. We both had GI issues and got sick. We both, you know, had mold in our houses and got sick. We both had Lyme disease and got sick. So it was kind of fascinating. And, and uh, I just sort of want to unpack your story because, you knew you had everything. You had a great career in medicine. You have a fantastic marriage, beautiful kids. And then, like happens to many people, one day you're fine and the next day you're not and everything falls apart and you had this mysterious symptoms that traditional medicine couldn't solve your test came back quote normal but you weren't feeling normal your doctors were confused you were lost you were in bed you couldn't get out of bed with young kids and that's really the beginning of the change in your career that led to discovering a new way to heal yourself so can you take us through that journey and like where did you come from and how did you get here oh my
0: god like, yeah well first of all um this is not a journey i would wish on anybody no. so i mean when we were comparing our comparing our our paths, notes I thought, right <laughs> my god you know like i wouldn't yeah would not wish this on anyone i mean i know that millions right millions of americans suffer from these kinds of mystery conditions that are very debilitating so this is not um not a spurious experience by any means
1: although although many doctors go Well, we don't we can't figure it out. Your tests are normal. There must must be all in your head, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and I went through that myself. I my own health challenges did not fit my own paradigm. So for a long time I was stuck in my head. Like I just need to get past it. I need to get past it. So to um yeah, just to kind of go backwards a little bit, um, about fifteen years ago I was a few years out of residency. So I was at this place in my professional life where I felt a sense of mastery, right? I, I just I knew the studies, Pat, I knew the protocols, Pat. Um, you know, I, I was running ERs and just feeling like, okay, I've you got this. You a master
1: of your craft. Yes,
0: yes, and I felt really proud of where I had come uh, to in my life. And um, I had married the love of my life um, I did something really radical. I had always been sort of the good girl, the conventional girl, which is funny why you know I ended up taking this very unconventional path as far as this this culture is concerned. Um, I was yeah, I had a very conventional upbringing and um, my husband and I shortly after we got married, I did something radical and we I quit my job and we traveled the world for six months. Uh, no itinerary, you know just a backpack with you know a few... Uh, necessaries in them, and I felt so free and so, um, so alive. And after we returned, um, I, I um, started a job at the county hospital where I was working with underserved patients and really found my calling. So it was during this time that I got pregnant, and again, you know, the pregnancy was easy, um, nine months later, we had this miracle of a baby. We were thrilled. But it was three months after that that I started feeling off. And, you know, started feeling really tired. My hair was falling out. I was losing weight. I mean, like super rapidly. And, again, it's just one of those things that I think as um, as not wanting to complain, as our culture tends to do, is normalize, you know, unwellness to where you sort of tolerate it. And so I thought it was all postpartum stuff. Suck it
1: up and push through.
0: Exactly, suck it up, and you know, and a lot of times um, things resolve, and you know, life goes on, which I had learned in residency, right? What in doesn't
1: the best healer is time. Everything goes away if you just leave Right. It alone, what right? doesn't kill you makes you
0: stronger. <laughs> right. right. I didn't realize at the time that only works for acute things, not yeah. chronic. So I was in very much in that mentality um, of invincibility, both because I was young and um, both, and then the other reason, because I was a doctor. There was this strange sense that because I understood chronic diseases, I mean, I was an internist after all, an expert in chronic diseases, that I was somehow immune to it. You know, my patients were over there and I was over here. Yeah, since um, you knew
1: all the diseases, you couldn't get them.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, And it took me a while to even recognize the signs. And I remember very clearly that I was, uh, you know, I'd been kind of slogging through my day-to-day life, you know, with this new baby and an active husband and my job. And I was seeing a patient and she was a single mom, had like three kids, was uh, working two jobs. She was exhausted. And she came to me for fatigue. And (laughs) I was I was looking at her, and I was just going through the checklist, you know, all the review of systems. And I said, "Oh my God, you're a textbook case of hyperthyroidism." You know, I'm going to run these tests. And it dawned on me that, oh my God, her palpitations, her insomnia, her fatigue, you know, her weight loss, her hair loss. And I was like, "Oh my God, I am a textbook case too." So that was a that was a really big eye opener for me. Yeah, you saw yourself in her. Yes, and and also that I. I had a chronic disease, most likely, uh, because thyroid diseases are usually chronic. So that was the beginning. And I had what which, was. Which, which,
1: by the way, mm-hmm. low thyroid and thyroid problems in women affects one in five women, and half of them are undiagnosed.
0: Yes. And, and many yes. who
1: are diagnosed aren't properly treated.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it goes to the fact that we dismiss symptoms that. Are I mean they they're seemingly vague, right? Fatigue. I mean,
1: I'm tired. I'm a little depressed. my right. I'm not functioning. Sex. My skin's a little dry. My hair's right. thinning. I get,
0: right. I right. Know, exactly. So
1: constipated. Whatever. It's like a normal.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And oh, so for me though, my initial presentation was hyperthyroid. Hyper, yeah. And then I fell hypo. So I was kind of on this thyroid roller coaster. And what I had was Hashimoto's and autoimmune. Um, thyroid condition Mm -hmm. and when it happens in the postpartum period most of those cases resolve in about a year and so I followed actually that textbook trajectory and about a year after I was diagnosed I wasn't feeling well but I saw my endocrinologist who was a top-notch specialist and he said yeah you know I think it's time for you to try tapering off your levothyroxine and I did and my numbers stayed normal and, um, I was by his book and by my book, I was cured.
1: But you still felt like crap.
0: I still felt exactly the same.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that it goes to show, you know, where I was in my mindset was, you know, what the, the paradigm that we're trained in superseded my own experience. Yeah. And what we're trained in is that everything hinges on the diagnosis. Yeah. If you don't have a diagnosis, you have no treatment, right? Right. And the diagnosis is a set of criteria, or it's a lab test, or it's a pathology report. It's something very, very concrete. So uh, I'm living my life, and I was still living a full life. So I was also basing health on functionality.
1: Yeah, you were managing.
0: Yes, yes, I was managing. I was managing quite well. (laughs) So then, um, a couple of years later, my husband our then toddler and I take a trip to Beijing and my parents and my sister were living there at the time. So I had taken these trips annually and um, we went and I had a very dramatic experience there. Before
1: before you go on, I just want to sort of clarify for people, for those who haven't been to Beijing, it's been cleaned up a little bit, but on a sunny day, you can't see a building across the street because the air is so thick with pollution. And most of it is from coal, raw coal that they burn, and from some of the inversions that come from the weather patterns from the Gobi Desert. And it's so bad that many people in Beijing walk around with masks, literally with face masks. You might have seen those pictures. So we're not talking about just a little pollution. We're talking about air so thick that you can basically cut it with a knife on a sunny day and can't see the sun.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, my sister um, taught elementary school when she was there. And they, every day, they would they would get these, you know, these color um, signals Alerts. about whether or not they could go out. And there were many days where they couldn't even go out at all. Stay indoors with high, heavy-duty air purifiers going on. Um, so, yes, it was, um, she was very polluted. So it was to Beijing um a nice and family trip <laughs> nice family trip and you know i will say i was we were uh we took a hike on um the wild wall so right that the the un the sort unrestored, of restored yes the beautiful sort of rustic wall. but crumbling wall of the great wall and it was um it was a really beautiful hike and i stood at this lookout tower and I, I said to my husband, I said, I feel like myself again. So I was feeling mm. like oh, I'm coming back, right? My stamina was back, um, the aches and the pains, and just that low-grade fatigue was gone. Um, so I felt uh, an ounce of of real hope there. And then we went to a dumpling house to um, celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, You know, you had asked me um, before this, like, you know, what might have triggered this turning point? I don't, I was eating... Dumpling disease? I don't know, but I was eating a ton of things, um, some of which were like tons of different kinds of fungus, like mushrooms, like things that are, you know, can be immunologically (laughs) triggering as well. So I have no idea if that had had anything to do with it, if it was just the foreign food proteins, Mm.
2: Um,
0: but I was uh, having the feast of my life when... I suddenly felt like I was going to pass out, mm. you know? And I was going through all the, you know, differential diagnoses in my in my head and heat stroke, dehydration, I was drinking water, but uh, suddenly, I mean, before I know it, I, you know, my life flashes before me and I, I think I'm going to die and then mm. I pass out. Mm. So I come to in a, um, an emergency room in downtown Beijing and When I came to, I just came to a body that really wasn't my own. I didn't recognize myself. Uh, I could barely move my muscles. Um, The entire room was spinning around as if I was Mm. on a boat that was really, really um, being tossed around in the high seas. Yes. And that um, was something that was completely outside of my own box. As a doctor, I was calling the shots in the ER because the doctor overseeing me was a resident.
1: Yeah. And I've had that that experience being in a a hospital in Thailand with severe gastroenteritis telling him what to do.
0: (laughs) Yes, I mean, it is, it is, it's challenging being sick, but it's challenging being a doctor who's sick because people are still looking to you to number one, stay calm and number two, figure out what's going on. And I was using my really, um, you know, basic Mandarin too, trying to communicate um, I also realized that I had brain fog. I, mm. I didn't know it at the time. I just, I couldn't remember things. Um, I was looking at my own EKG, and which was normal, but I couldn't quite read it. You had a broken and brain. I had read, yeah, thousands of those, right? Yeah. So um, I was, uh, you know, kind of in a state of shock, um, but really just trying to push through the misery of it. And in the smattering of tests... Um they they did stabilize my blood pressure, which was low. I got i v saline and um but all the tests turned out normal as yeah. they so often do in these well, mostal conditions your head, right doctor Lee? <laughs> and the one that did not turn out normal was one that I really ordered as a precautionary test that we do for all young women. It was a pregnancy test, uh-huh. and that came back positive uh-huh. so. That was, again, a huge shock, and my husband and I were really trying to wrap our heads around the fact that I like I felt like I was going to die, but then, oh my God, wait a minute, like I'm pregnant. Yeah. So and I'm miserable. Um, so at the time, I did not realize that this was going to be a decade-long journey. And you um, mentioned
1: that you had a GI problem then, right? You got yes. Yesterday. Well, that that
0: didn't manifest until the very next day. Uh-huh. The next day, um, I started having nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Mm. And people said, "Well, it's probably the pregnancy, and you, whatever you got, this dehydration, um, you just overdid it." But then my husband and my daughter got it too. Uh-huh. So I realized, okay, you know what? There's a gastroenteritis going on. All of this was in hindsight, though. You know, and I wasn't. So you even, went
1: from like. Literally, the top of the mountain <clears throat> on the Great Wall, feeling literally, the best you felt in years literally. to like the worst you could possibly feel. Yes, yes. In a matter of days.
0: Yes, and we were we were scheduled to get on our plane trip home like three days later after the ER visit, and um, I didn't. I, it was some miracle that I made it, but I had my first full blown panic attack on as we boarded the plane because mm. I was so weak and I was I barely made it on I was Mm. in a wheelchair Mm. and I was thinking 13 hours 13 hours like what if something happens you know I can't do this Um, but but I made it Um, I made it back home Mm. and I remember calling my medical director and saying um, I got a gastroenteritis and I am in the early throes of pregnancy Uh, I'm gonna need an extra week to recover but I'll be back.
1: Yeah, or and so you thought.
0: So I thought, and I, I never did, I never returned. So that was really the beginning of the rest of my life. And um, it took me being housebound for two years um, to break out of that that paradigm that I knew. Of, so you were
1: still looking at traditional medicine to solve the problem, and yes. they weren't giving any went, answers. I and you went, went to see everybody.
0: Yes, I went to see specialist after specialist, and again another sort of. You're, like you're depressed.
1: Take Prozac, right?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, even things like I was afraid to say I was depressed because I was like, I don't want to kill myself. I'm just miserable. Yeah. You know, like you're I'm, I'm miserable. Depressed. I'm not depressed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I knew from the other side what doctors did with patients like me. So I yeah. had a lot of symptoms that I kept to myself. Um, what
1: they did, meaning?
0: Meaning, yeah, antidepressants or potential, you know, a major psychiatric evaluation or um, getting stigmatized as a difficult patient.
1: Yeah. We have a very, uh, you know, in the medical world, we have a very pejorative way of talking about these patients. We we use a fancy medical word. We say it's super tentorial, which means it's a, in your brain. It's in your head That's and it's very nasty right. and not true. And I think your experience is very important. Cause I think most of us who suffer aren't doctors. And so we don't have that insight, but um, when you actually are a physician and you get that, uh, you know, I had someone say to me the other day, oh, you know, I don't believe all this fatigue stuff. When I want energy, I just jump up and down and run up the stairs and I get energy. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like yeah. when you get, your tank emptied and you don't know how to refill it. It's real. It's not in your head. It's not psychiatric. It's, it's your biology. And right. I had exactly the same experience. So I, I get it. And it's, it's sort of what led me to be a functional medicine physician and to tr- so be passionate about telling the world, which I think also why you write your book mm-hmm. sort of share with the world. Look, look like I'm a physician. I, I know the science, but, I hit a dead end when it comes to the paradigm that we were trained in, and I needed to find a different way. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us about how... We're, can you,
0: how I you? ask you, were you as hard-headed as I was? I mean, did it take you... Oh, well, first of all, too, for me, I think partly it took so long was because I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And all the specialists told me that this is a difficult pregnancy, and part of me wanted to believe it, or that a lot of it would resolve. And amazingly, I had this baby who's... She's healthy, and she's the strongest one, actually, in the whole family. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was that piece, but I was, I'm just curious, did it take you as long as it took me to realize there was another path?
1: No, I, I, well, it was interesting. I mean, I literally went down hard. I mean, I, I was the same story. I lived in China. I was exposed to mercury. I came back from China and I was up in a lake in Maine and I got some kind of bug, some kind of stomach bug. Mm. And. I never had anything like it. I thought it would get better and it didn't. So the mercury was sort of like the sort of underlying problem. Yes. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was getting an acute stomach issue which caused a leaky gut and this massive inflammation and my whole system collapsed. You know, I not only did I then I had the stomach issues and di- diarrhea and pain and bloating. I also had immune issues My rashes all over, my tongue would swell up when I ate certain foods, I'd get rashes around my Mm. eyes, I'd have all sorts of abnormal blood tests, my low white count, positive ANA, which is like autoimmunity, I had elevated liver function tests, I had severe cognitive problems, I couldn't focus, I couldn't remember anything, I couldn't really barely work, I had trouble sleeping, I mean just my whole system was down and it was called chronic fatigue syndrome, which you know, for a long time, we thought was psychological. Mm-hmm. And and now there's real good data that there are a lot of biological markers of what's going on in chronic fatigue yes. syndrome that's mm-hmm. not just some fabricated thing. We call it a syndrome in medicine when we don't actually understand it. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you have irritable bowel syndrome. What does that mean? It means your stomach hurts and you have diarrhea or constipation or bloating. It's like, that doesn't mean anything. So right. for me, it took me a while because this was 25 years ago and there wasn't, like a big functional medicine movement. But thank God I was working at a place called Canyon Ranch where there was a nutritionist, Kathy Swift, who introduced me to this guy, Jeff Bland, who's the father Mm. of functional medicine. And I heard him speak and it was like the light went on. I'm like, oh, okay. There's a different way of thinking. I said, well, if he's either crazy or he's a genius and I better figure out which one. So I started to learn, read about it, experiment on myself. So I was working part-time, experiment with my patients. They would get better. I wouldn't get better. I couldn't figure it out. I mean, it took me years and years and years. Uh, If I know what I knew now, then I would have gotten better a lot faster. But I didn't have all the information. I didn't have all the tools. I didn't know. But I did find a huge level of mercury and all sorts of other issues. So I think um, for me, you know, I was... I don't know I'm not stubborn, but I knew, I knew uh, like you going to special after specialist after specialist that this wasn't in my head. Like I knew I wasn't depressed, like you said, although I mm. felt depressed, I felt fatigued, I felt, you know, unable to cope or manage, but I knew it wasn't in my head. Mm. Yes, it was affecting my brain, but it wasn't emotional or psychological. I and, think
0: you were, yeah, a step ahead of me. So I ended up referring myself to a psychiatrist um, because-
1: Well, I went there too.
0: (laughs) By by that point, I wanted a diagnosis, Mm. right? I wanted something I could hang my hat on.
1: Hey everyone, for those of you who know me, you know that I love to cook and spend time in the kitchen. It's truly a revolutionary act. And in fact, it's the gateway to your best health. I tell my patients, that to enjoy and appreciate cooking with real foods is the best way to regain their health, which is why I'm coming out with a new cookbook called Food, What the Heck Should I Cook? My team and I put together this cookbook with over 100 delicious recipes from real food. I think you're going to really love it. And if you want to learn more about it, just go to foodthecookbook.com right now. Sign up. You get the free video instantly in your inbox of five steps to conscious cooking that I created to guide you through how to cook in your kitchen, all the secret tips I use. Or if you know that you really want to own the book, you can actually pre-order it right now. So when you pre-order and you show your proof of purchase, you're going to get really great bonuses, including four cooking videos of me personally cooking some of the best recipes from the book. You'll get a recipe ebook with exclusive bonus recipes. And you're gonna get so many special offers from my favorite merchants, things like Vitamix, Wayfair, Thrive Market, and lots more. I'm so excited for you to check out my new book. So just go to foodthecookbook.com. Thanks, and I'll see you in the kitchen.
0: And I hear this a lot from my patients too. It's it's giving a name to something somehow makes it more real. Mm and i had i had a moment in the bathroom i remember i was coming out of the shower and i was feeling you know my heart rate racing and my my blood pressure dropping feeling like i was going to faint and i was going through all my symptoms and i basically diagnosed myself in the bathroom with chronic fatigue syndrome and dysautonomia this the total dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system right which is the branch that controls largely unconscious vital body functions like heart rate, blood pressure, digestion, right. you know, the st- it's like, I really say, well, it's like air traffic control. Well, right. but worse, but more serious, because as yeah. soon as it's gone, you, you realize what it was sort of keeping together, it managing all these right. moving parts. Uh, so nothing really felt like it was working um, it, within myself. And, you know, like you said, though, I mean, these are syndromes and which kind of mean nothing. So I didn't want that. I wanted something to say uh, it's treatable.
1: I would say the name of your disease isn't the cause of your disease.
0: Right. right? Exactly. This
1: autonomia exactly. just means your nervous system isn't working. Right. Chronic fatigue syndrome just means you're tired all the time. Right. 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 You know, exactly. It doesn't tell you why. So
0: um, yeah. So I did. I went to a psychiatrist. I think you know where a lot of patients like us end up one day. Um mm-hmm. and she said, you know, something that made me almost laugh. You know, she said this is not you're not depressed, you're not anxious. I think it's your hormones. I think it's your immune system. I mean, she was really actually going into the wow. systems, but at the time Amazing. like I was like well, but my endocrinologist, you know, said it's not my thyroid. And, right. you know, an immunologist, like, normal. why would I go to an immunologist, you know? Right. And so uh, so I kind of exited. And had I known about functional medicine or even integrative medicine at the time, um, it would have been a much smoother path. But I, because I had to rebuild the paradigm from the bottom up in order <laughs> to even get there, um, it took me many more years. Yeah.
1: yeah. So how did you come out of it?
0: So, um, the first thing I did was, uh, I went back to basics and so I did, you know, I, I did not suddenly just start seeing an acupuncturist or start, you know, trying energy medicine or anything that's really alternative. I was like, okay, no, I'm a doctor. You did start off
1: with crystals? No, I didn't. <laughs> I
0: didn't. Uh, and oh God, meditation was like, it was like pulling teeth. So, um, no, I went back to basics and I... I took out my um pathology 101 textbook. Yeah. Right? Pathologic <clears throat> Basis of disease, Robins right? Robbins and Cotran. Cotran. Exactly. That's the
1: we all take in first <laughs> second year of medical school. Right.
0: And Kumar, Kumar was my pathology teacher. Oh wow. So, I took it out, you know, I still had it. Um it was highlighted, dog-eared. I mean, it, and it it actually was good for me. Like if I know neuroplasticity, right? It kind of brought me back to this time where I had more of a sense of agency over Mm -hmm. my life Mm. so in that sense it was also healing i didn't recognize it at the time um but i started reading about how diseases how chronic disease develops and you know about cellular repair and cellular injury and i was like wait a minute and and they actually talk about this was you know this was published i don't even know which edition but 20 years ago
2: yeah
0: where they say the one cause one effect paradigm does not work anymore, yeah right yeah. we're in this this complex yeah. living environment where nutrition matters, where environmental toxins I mean this is twenty years ago, yeah and they probably wrote that several years before that it was published, right so I started reading that, and I thought, well, wait a minute and and then that diseases are not defined by a set of criteria yeah. There, this continuum, this, this process, right. and that...
1: Yes, yeah, so I, remember, I remember going back and reading yeah. chapter one, and it said, any pathologic change is always preceded by a biochemical change. Yes. Which means that anything you see, like on a microscope, there has got to be a lot of years of stuff going wrong, with your biochemistry and physiology before that happens yes and years we, and we don't we don't know how to look at that in yes. western medicine we just wait till you have something wrong and then we go oh yeah now i don't know what it is
0: right right because in the the way that we've been trained inflammation which is what i had right widespread inflammation in my nerves yeah. inflammation in my gut inflammation in your brain you know, in my thyroid exactly in um it doesn't qualify as a treatable disease Inflammation, so, no. right? No, that's right. what
1: I was joking. Say, functional medicine doctors are inflammologists. You
0: know? Yes, yes. I love that. Yeah, I remember that from, <laughs> <laughs> from the first functional medicine conference yeah, I went to. Yeah. Where oh. I
1: gave a talk on that, right? Right, yeah. right. So, um,
0: and but so that was a really big aha moment for me. Was wait a minute? Okay, I understand this sudden disturbance. what I call it in Beijing? But. Then I had the thyroiditis before that, mm-hmm. which was sort of right the the the, the preceding yeah. trigger. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then before that, okay, wait a minute. You know what? When I was in residency, post-call, thirty-six hour shifts, I would my muscles would feel like really crampy, like I felt like I'd run a marathon, and yeah. I was dizzy. And I just assumed, well, of course, everyone feels this way because not they're exhausted. Not sleeping, right. Right. And so I started going backwards and realizing, okay, this has been going on for a long time. And for some people that can be really, you know, sort of disheartening. But for me at where I was, it was a little ounce of hope because it meant that I could sort of stepwise, piecemeal um, address inflammation in a way that I could tolerate. What I was really afraid of, because I was so brittle, was having any kind of setback that would push me down further. Mm-hmm. And um, so if I could do it in a way that was more controlled and gentle, mm. then um, it felt like something I could move forward with.
1: Mm. So what did you do? Or um, the things that helped you recover?
0: So well, one of the things was, um, yeah, was identifying- Because by the way,
1: chronic fatigue syndrome is not something most people recover from. Right? right? Fibromyalgia is not people, something people recover from. Absolutely. Unless you see a functional medicine
0: doctor. <laughs> right, right. Or have some kind of, some one of those, you know, spontaneous remissions, which is one in a million. probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um Yeah. So, so what I ended up doing also was distancing myself from the diagnosis and the prognosis because yeah. it was more despairing. my marriage was held together by a single thread you know i had two young kids i had everything to lose so i was like if i don't get my act together and start trying differently then i'm gonna lose whatever you know what what little i have left so um i was really motivated and you know the first thing i did was really um i started reading about well i knew i had to get sleep if i can't get sleep i'm gonna not have enough energy Mm -hmm. so Really looking, understanding the circadian clock. And, you know, I learned things that I was surprised I didn't know already. You know, I knew about the pet pineal gland and the hypothalamus, and we have this master clock and we have jet lag, and that's why. But I didn't know about um, every organ having, having its own yes. clock, its yeah. own rhythm. And there's even that, a whole
1: field of chronobiology where the different kinds of chemo is better given at different times of the day to yes. work better.
0: I know. This is in
1: conventional medicine.
0: Right. And it makes, I mean, it makes like Mm -hmm. complete rational sense, right? right? So um, I started, first of all, being more regimented about just, okay, you know, I'm going to wake up, you know, and get up out of bed, um, even if I feel kind of miserable, but I'm going to, my body needs to know that it's awake and that it's alive. Mm. So really basic fundamental um, steps. And, um, and I Learned that when we deviate, I mean, particularly when you're brittle like that. I mean, of course, when we're more resilient, like now, I have much more flexibility. But when when I was brittle, you know, any uh, when you stray away so often from a routine. It causes stress on the body. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, this is maybe an easier way where I can reduce stress on my body. Yeah, rhythm. Yeah. We it's all like, live dishes. You know, my dog, lives. I right. feed my dog at the same times every day. Right. Why don't I do that for myself? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. You know,
0: and he gets walks now um, at the same time. Why don't I do that for myself? Mm-hmm. So um, it was I started syncing myself also with my kids, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna take care of my kids, I can take care of myself at the same time. So, um, I think that also as in that caretaker mentality, you know, as a mother or a partner or a doctor is we, we tend to put ourselves last. And Mm -hmm. so it was kind of time to put myself first, you Mm -hmm. know, as my first patient.
1: Mm. That's good. And so you did the rhythm and what else change your diet? And
0: then, um, yeah. And you know, a lot of it was just asking new questions. Um, the diet piece, I thought I was eating quote healthy, um, you know, which was largely vegetarian. Um, I was cooking meals, but also doing a lot of prepackaged meals, but, you know, not a lot of processed stuff. Um, and it wasn't until I saw an acupuncturist. So the acupuncturist that I saw, um, Robert Levine, who's in Berkeley, uh, California, he um, uh, he was brilliant, really brilliant. And he's still practicing, and he's a good dear friend of mine, a mentor of mine. I learned a ton from him about understanding the body in terms of systems. So when my thyroid was out of whack, it wasn't just my thyroid, it was my whole hormone system, yeah. which is tied then to the digestive system, which is tied to the immune system. Like it suddenly started the making bones sense. connected
1: to the thigh bone, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so and soft.
0: the body is connected to the brain. Which is actually
1: <laughs> amazing in medicine that our entire training teaches us the opposite. That there's all these organ systems right right? Right. we take the gi system and the liver and the lungs and the brain and the heart and the hormone and you go to specialists for every different part of you and nobody connects the dots right right and traditional chinese medicine is actually a system of thinking of the body as a system and that's what functional medicine is it's a systems thinking yes
0: absolutely and so you know we can extrapolate that to any size system right we look Mm. at our communities and Mm. our world Mm. right and, you know, one of the things I feel like that drives almost every everything, if not everything, that we do as individuals and that we do as societies is how do I get more energy? Yeah, Right? My Qigong teacher was right. talking about that. Yeah. How do we get more energy? You know, whether it's through, you know...
1: And qi means energy. <laughs> yeah, whether it's
0: through solar energy, you know, yeah. um, fossil fuels, whether it's... Yeah, I mean, it's food, um, mm. nature, movement. Um, so... You know, I began to shift my thinking in relationship to health and disease in a much more living sort of embodied Mm. way. So the, but the diet thing, he was the first one. He was like, you know, you're so deficient right now. Like, I think you need more meat, you know, and you need more of these heavier foods. Like you're doing lots of salads and you're doing, which are great, but not for you right now. So I hadn't even thought about a personalized diet yeah and i was like more meats what are you talking about you know and this is before paleo days and all that um so i began researching ancestral diets and you know the work of um dentist uh weston a price price and And alvin connor's right and it suddenly made sense like oh yeah like okay i'm gonna eat like my ancestors ate i'm gonna prepare food the way my ancestors prepared so Mm -hmm. i can maximize nutrient density nutrient mm-hmm. density equals more energy yeah um and then the gluten issue came up uh you know i was really skeptical yeah of it. you well, know, it's one of the
1: biggest drivers of thyroid disease hashimoto's
0: yes yes and the celiac experts know that but the endocrinologists don't right <laughs> so there's no crosstalk there either yeah. and this is in conventional medicine right yeah. um so, and I, I do remember asking my endocrinologist, like, what can I do? What can I do? And he said, nothing. You know, it's genetic. It's genetic. Oh,
1: gosh, no, it's um, not. Right, right.
0: <laughs> my, it's a genetic predisposition, yeah. but not predetermination. Yeah. And um, so, the but the gluten thing didn't actually arise. I think I was partly in denial about it. Um, I j- you know, there were lots of rabbit holes that I knew about, and I just didn't want to go down as long as I was steadily getting better. It was my older daughter who she was... Five at the time I was taking her to her first dentist visit. And, you know, I felt like as a family, we ate pretty well. She didn't do a lot of sweets. And, um, but she had not just one cavity at her visit, she had six cavities. Wow. Yeah. And I was floored. So, uh, you know, and the dentist kept saying, well, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty, you know. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I wasn't feeling guilty until you just said that. But, um, it made me investigate like something else is going on. Like I know how we eat, I know how she brushes, and I know cavities happen, but like six? It just, it didn't compute. So I started researching, and that's when I came across Weston A. Price's work uh, around um, the condition of teeth tied directly to uh, Diet. diet, but then going deeper, and then in my research, I came across gluten. And gluten causing enamel defects, gluten, you know, causing inflammation in the gut, which therefore could translate into poor oral hygiene and or just conditioning of the gums and the teeth. And um, so that was just kind of another step in that process when I realized, oh, I got to go back. And again, this is not unconventional. This is
1: just traditional. Hippocrates said
0: all diseases begin in the gut. Right? Yeah. So, we are just kind of going back and I l- realized I have, to learn, I have to learn how to heal my gut as another step. And
1: did you still have so, digestive symptoms after that initial gastroenteritis in China or did it get better?
0: Uh, it was, they were largely uh, quiescent until I removed gluten and I removed gluten and I had massive withdrawal. Uh-huh. you know, diarrhea, irritable bowel. And, you know, and again, this was kind of before the time that I realized I understood about detox and how healing happens is that often it gets it's a worse. lot worse before it gets better and that it could be a good sign. Mm-hmm. So I um, I was really frightened by how severe my, my reaction was when I stopped gluten. Mm. So I was thinking it was a bad thing. Um, but then, you know what, I stuck with it. And a week later it calmed down. And then my health improved a notch. Mm. So, and not only that, but you know, we changed the way that our whole family ate. And um, my younger daughter, so my my older daughter's teeth, like you know, really basically resolved. I mean, mm. they they became really strong. Some of her cavities even filled, like like they recalcified wow. and uh, didn't have to get filled. My younger daughter, um, who didn't really have anything that. You know, was alarming, but she could, she had like this perioral eczema, which is this dermatitis, which is very difficult to treat with.
1: It's often dairy or with
0: steroids. Yeah. I mean, which is how we treat most dermatitis. Um, Anything
1: red on the skin, they put steroids on it. <laughs> exactly, so like, exactly. Why is the skin irritated? Right, Coming from right. the inside, not the outside.
0: So she had that, and she had she would get asthma when she got colds, and both of those are captivated. totally totally resolved. Yeah.
1: Off of gluten.
0: Well, off of gluten, but also doing the ancestral diet.
1: Mm-hmm. So off so, of dairy.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it was just one of those things I was like, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Mm-mm. And um, this stuff isn't written up. Um, and it's very individualized. So, but you if know, you look so, in
1: the literature, so- you know, doctors say, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? Well, there's 900,000 papers published every year. Most doctors haven't read that many of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the truth is that most of the ones that are on these subjects are completely ignored. And when you put all the dots together, there's a pattern there in the data that suggests that these things are real, that there is something called leaky gut, that there is inflammation that comes from the microbiome, that you know, foods do cause reactions in the body that lead to all these diseases, that heavy metals yes. and toxins are an issue that they cause disease. I mean, there's no lack of data. It's just not data that doctors pay attention to in the literature.
0: Right. And, you know, and it takes... On average, 14 years. I, I 17. Was, oh, 17. I think, yeah. Oh, God.
1: For, that's not a good day. For
0: information. <laughs> that's not a
1: good day. For I information
0: mean, <laughs> and research to translate over to clinical care.
1: Yeah, I think that's so, not a good day. The guy the guy who discovered that we should wash our hands before ch- uh, giving you know, any surgery or uh, childbirth was uh, basically ridiculed for suggesting that doctors could be causing their patients to get sick by not washing their hands. And he was basically exiled and mm-hmm. ended up dying in sort of. Disgrace with no money, and you know, excommunicated from the medical community. Semmelweis, and it took fifty years for them to go. Oh, yeah, maybe we should wash their hands.
0: Oh my God! <laughs> <You know>? No, <laughs> where's the science on that, right?
1: Yeah, right. Well, so. it was just it was it yeah. was an anathema to doctors that oh, you could suggest right. that a doctor would be causing their patients to die from childbirth fever because they didn't wash their hands. That's nonsense. You know, so That's that it is right. tough to change medical paradigms.
0: Right. Right. But I mean, some of it is common sense. Yeah. We, we don't need science to show us that, right? Well,
1: I mean, when they didn't know about bacteria, <laughs> common sense was, you know. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of just did this stepwise um, progression to get to the point where I was much more able to get out of the house. Yeah. And then, um, and one of the, the things I also explored, which I would say maybe is down the unconventional path, was... Um, I began to I began to shadow integrative doctors on just different um, different paths in integrative medicine, or sort of, you know, I didn't actually know about functional medicine at the time. So I was shadowing a um, uh, an anthroposophical medicine doc, mm. you know, someone doing like sort of anti-aging hormone therapies. Mm. Um, and then it was when I was shadowing a um, integrative pediatrician who said, well, you know, what are you, this was, I mean, I was still unwell, I was, had taken off work for a couple of years, and, but I was starting to think, like, oh, how does it, how would it look if I were to return to work? Like, what Uh are the different ways I could practice? Yeah. And um, it was the pediatrician who said, well, what are you interested in? I said, well, you know, I really, I love the traditional Chinese medicine paradigm, it makes so much sense to me, the systems thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, about the gut, you know, sort of being the foundation of healing, and I'm really, you know, ancestral health, you know, uh, figures into it. And she said, um, it sounds like you, you know, you're interested in functional medicine. I was like, what yeah. is that? What's that? What <laughs> is that? So, um, and she really strongly recommended that I go see the uh, take this course with Institute for Functional Medicine. Yeah. So I, it was sort of a, a bone for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I could, I was aiming to get healthy enough to be able to travel, to go mm-hmm. attend a conference. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it came to Santa Monica and I mm. live in, in the Bay area. So it was, it felt doable. It wasn't, yeah, cross country. And, um, and I went and it was, I think I had that aha moment like you did when you, you know, listened to Jeff Bland,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And like, this is, this, this is like, a, this is something that's been developed and developing. And there's a framework. I don't have to make this up. No. Um, so it was a it was a really important uh, turning point for me. It gave me hope both in you know as a as a patient, but also as a doctor. How can I give back? Um, what it did also cause was it caused a little bit of anxiety.
1: Yeah, because you have to relearn medicine.
0: <laughs> I had to relearn medicine, but then suddenly I went from having no or very few options. To having infinite options
1: and In how to get better
0: yeah yeah right okay like which diet when you know which supplements yeah. you know what, what do i get, you know what do i rule myself what out for mold and mercury and all these things and it felt very overwhelming mm-hmm. and so that's when i ended up i i, I actually you need didn't a navigator choose this. i did and you know i had a very un, unconventional navigator was we had a visit from some friends of ours who uh ended up staying with us and um we had known them for years, but they'd never stayed with us. And we've always known them through sort of the sustainability work, right? Uh-huh. So I was—I had been doing environmental health. My husband is in public policy around renewable energy. Mm. So we knew them through um, work circles. And anyways, we were hosting them for a weekend and they come. We knew that the wife, Pia, was, um, was also clairvoyant. So she was... She was a s- sustainable architect and her mm. husband was one of the leading climate physicists
1: mm. so there was well, that's this a very skill squ- to have <laughs>
0: exactly so they're a very dynamic <laughs> couple we knew about her clairvoyance through sort of hearsay but we we had never experienced it up front and kind of never really were curious it's enough kind to of go there woo-woo. oh yeah exactly that's how I felt yeah. so they ended up staying in our house and um one of the things was that uh my younger daughter was having night terrors and um for four months, which did not bode well for my insomnia. And we had tried everything. I mean, and, and actually gone out kind of on an alternative limb too, right? She was doing like chamomile drops and
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, uh, some homeopathy, uh, but nothing really touched her. And so Pia walks into her house and she starts coughing. Coughing, coughing. And uh and she said, you know, there's something uh, there's something going on. The energy in this house is really heavy. You know, do you guys feel it? And we were all looking at each other like, okay,
2: you know? Right, right. And uh, she said,
0: well, but it's really heavy. And so she, she said, okay, do you mind if I just walk around? So she's walking around and she said, it's heaviest in the girl's room. And so, you know, nothing opens your mind like desperation, right? So, sure, right. <laughs> so I well, that's just say just... people, people
1: only change when they have, uh, when they don't have any peace syndrome anymore. You know, NEP syndrome is not enough pain. Yes, yes. (laughs) If people have enough pain, (laughs) they're going to do whatever.
0: Right, right. And you hit that dead end, right? So, uh, I just said, I said, you know what, maybe it's heavy because Sonia, my daughter's been crying every single night, right? And she said, wait a minute. She said, no, 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 it's the other way around. Sonia's crying because she feels the heaviness too. And I'm like, Mm. okay, whatever. So, she goes off to Whole Foods, of all places, gets a sage wand, right, with a smudge stick, which yeah. I had never heard of before.
1: Yeah. It's a Native American and, way of getting right, energy yeah, from Right,
0: Exactly. Around. So she just goes around and she says, well, ha- it's really important that you come with me. You're the lady of the house, and your intention really matters. And I'm like, but my intention is I don't actually believe what you're doing. She said, no, no, just, just say whatever doesn't belong here needs to leave. And the, the thing that really um, convinced me to do it with her what, well, first of all, it's low risk. I mean, there was, right? I'm always yeah. looking for little, high potential gain, low risk.
1: A little sage around the exactly. room. Exactly. Never hurt yeah.
0: anyone, um, but Bad she, stuff, get
1: out. she said
0: that she had a vision and she described this vision of this man, you know, tall, slender, reddish brown hair, balding right here, wearing a plaid shirt. And it sent chills down my mind, just threw out my body because this was the seller of the house who we'd met three times like to a T wow.
2: and so she and he said had died
0: he had not died he had moved out but he had not wanted to move out oh. and she said that's just what keeps coming to me when I look at the energy and I was like okay whoa weird but okay like that's really spot on yeah so we just walked around and uh you know and I was kind of just being very um sympathetic too i I sympathized with the seller right that he had to leave his home yeah So, um, you know, but, but I, I was, I wasn't holding my breath. And from that night on, Sonia slept soundly. Amazing. I mean, you know, to this day, she's an incredible sleeper. So, you know, and and then there was still part of me who was like, well, you know, there's no control, you know, how do we really know? Maybe it was coincidental. But before Pia left, what she did was she said, um, I, I actually approached her and I said, well, if you can lift the heaviness in a house, can you lift What's like, wrong with me? Can you lift the heaviness <laughs> in my body? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm much smaller than this house. And uh, she said, "Oh, you know, it doesn't work quite like that." Um, and she said, "But I can do one thing. I can teach you how to develop intuition, which I had never heard of. I did not know that intuition was something like music or art. Like you can develop it. Practice it. it. Yeah." You can practice it. And she was very pragmatic about it. And she said, no, no, this doesn't mean you're gonna be clairvoyant, right? But it just means that you can learn to to open this other side of your brain that has probably been closed off for a long time because of your training and your upbringing. So I, um, so she taught me how to do that. Um, well, she taught me what I needed to do to begin to practice, to open up to that. And a lot of it was, it was so basic. It, a lot of it was just silencing my analytical mind and being in my body
1: Mm.
0: and that second part was the heart well actually they were both really hard they were both really hard Silence, silent analytical mind being in my body um because my body was so uncomfortable yeah and so she said you know you can only heal something that you are connected to you Mm -hmm. can't heal something you're detached from Mm. so that was healing on multiple levels both that i had to inhabit my body which was probably one of the biggest um steps in terms of healing not being afraid of it but going into it Mm. and then also um learning how to read sensations for as messages and not just symptoms that you know were making me miserable yeah yeah
1: i always say the smartest doctor in the room is your own body if you listen to it
0: absolutely absolutely so the intuition piece came in incredibly handy when i Was introduced to functional medicine I wasn't really practicing it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, because I was doing steadily better Mm. and then I
1: were you trying some of it on yourself
0: I was trying some of it on myself but like it was it was you know I mean you know how it is when you're like it's like you know someone wants you to play a piano piece you can't even read the notes yet and Mm -hmm. it just it's laborious so I wasn't um, I wasn't motivated Mm. but then I go to the intro to functional medicine conference and saw all these tools um but then felt overwhelmed and then i was motivated to practice intuition Mm. and i really learned to use intuition to guide me like how do i choose what to do next um is this the right diet for me Uh, is gluten really you know is it something that i can return to or is it something that i really need to stay off of strictly so um it began to it made that navigation much easier for me and, um, and it is something that I encourage my patients to, mm. you know, to develop if they are interested. It is simple. It just takes a lot of repetition and quiet mm. listening.
1: So you found you know, one of the causes was gluten, right? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And toxins you got from China that you yes. worked on getting rid of. Right. Was there anything yeah, else? So I did in? a
0: lot of detoxes. Um, so you know, I learned how to balance my hormones. Mm. Um, I think my hormones were really out of whack after that that incident. What does in the, that mean? Well, my, my estrogen and progesterone levels were really low. So um, I, you know, for a while I actually took bioidentical hormones mm. to just support my system so I could get strong enough just to help mm. balance out the sure. immune system. Um, and then as my whole system got stronger, I was able to really wean off of those and and just last year even like 14 years later I actually completely tapered off my thyroid medicine as well so I didn't know that was possible
1: yeah Um, amazing what happens when you learn how to take care of your body
0: (laughs) amazing yeah yeah I mean functional
1: medicine is an incredible roadmap it's really about thinking differently about disease and it's what Mm -hmm. you said it's about understanding the body as a system where everything's connected where there are root causes of things that we can get to Where there's things your body needs, like rhythm or the right food, to help it restore balance, and when you do that for yourself, it works. And often, you know, it's not something you even have to do in a doctor's office. A lot of things that actually work to create balance are things that everybody can do, whether it's eating well, moving, right, sleeping, absolutely, meditating, connecting. know being in a social support system. And then sometimes you do need help to get rid of some of the drivers, things like heavy metals or infections like Lyme, which you said you had, or mold if you're which I had and almost died from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, allergens. Those those are the things that actually, you know, you might need a little help with. But if you're suffering out there, if you're listening and you're wondering, you know, what's the road? How do I, how do I get better? You know, I've been told that this is just something I have to live with, that I have to manage, that I have to take <laughs> medications for. I encourage you to just have hope. Because if if you are suffering, there is a road for most people to recover. And mm-hmm. functional medicine is the GPS system to figure out how to navigate that road. Yes. And, and it really is a powerful model. It's not the answer to everything, but it is a far better mousetrap than we were trained with in conventional medicine. And it's what I've done for the last 25 years. It clearly is what helped you recover. It helped me recover. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing If I didn't actually understand the body in that way, and every day, you know, I I remember first practicing functional medicine. I wasn't like for you, but I was like, I would tell people to do this stuff that was sort of outside the box of what I learned in medical school. They'd have severe migraines, you know, twenty-five times a month, or they'd be having severe irritable bowel, or they'd have, you know, an autoimmune disease, and and I would tell them to do, you know, change your diet, do this, do that. And they call me back six weeks later, or whatever, and they're like, I'm better. And I'm like, You are really? But I, I say the same. <laughs> I'm like, What? <laughs> that worked. Okay, fine. You know, it was like, I I really took me years and years right. to expect yes. that people would get better because I was like, Well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to try this stuff, and it seems to make sense and it's not going to hurt them. Right. And, right people just recovered and it just was amazing to me. I mean, I had a woman the other day who came in with vestibular migraines, which is a terrible kind of migraine where your head is spinning, Mm -hmm. you're in vertigo. It's like you were saying you experienced. She had severe migraines 25 times a month. She had severe other, quote, other symptoms. So she was seeing the neurologist for that, but they weren't worrying about her gut and she was having severe bloating, fluid retention, you know, digestive issues. Mm -hmm. She had anxiety. I mean, she couldn't even come in my office without the door being open Wow! and she was a really smart young woman who wanted to go to be a nurse practitioner and she was a nurse and it wasn't in her head and she was on all these antidepressants and psychiatric medications and anti-anxiety medications and uh, vertigo medications and migraine (laughs) medications you know the drill (laughs) and i'm like well
0: and then medications to counter those side effects of those medications right and
1: so you know i just followed the basic map of how do you help people restore health and function. And for her, I was like, well, you know, she's got a lot of inflammation going on. I could see her. She was swollen. She had fluid retention. She had gained a bunch of weight. And, you know, I I wasn't treating her migraine. I was helping restore her gut function. Yes. And I was helping her, you know, eat a diet that was anti-inflammatory. And I was helping her with certain nutrients she was low in. And, you know, I, I never really had a patient like this before, you know, that was that severe, that had Stibular migraines, and in functional medicine, it doesn't matter if you've never seen the disease before, because if you follow right. if you follow the principles of removing the stuff that's causing a problem and adding in the stuff that creates health, the body knows what to do. It's super smart.
0: It's right, like, the body figures it out. Yeah, right. We and don't so, have to. <laughs> no,
1: and so I I just yeah. you know fixed her gut. She had really bad. I gave her stuff to clear up. You know, SIBO. She had bacterial overgrowth. Uh, she had like fungal overgrowth in her gut. So I cleared all that out. I restored her gut with a, a gut health shake which contained you know polyphenols and cranberry and pomegranate and green tea and gave her probiotics and prebiotics and you know just fiber and things to help mm-hmm. her gut mm-hmm. A few basic nutrients got her you on know, an anti-inflammatory gluten dairy free diet. She came back six weeks later I didn't recognize her I wow. mean she all the flu went out of her body. she was bright and alert. she was funny and had not had a migraine <laughs> and was That's you amazing. know symptom free mm-hmm. Her gut was completely better and she was off the medication. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. That but I don't I don't want to discount also tradition. the fact that you Acknowledged her and validated her. Yeah. Right? I mean, which is a huge piece yeah, of it. I'm healing. like, you're not crazy. You and, saw you know, her. Yeah, I right. saw
1: her. Right. I mean, she was in bed and she, I mean, I could tell she wasn't a malingerer. She wasn't a right. whiner. Right. But she get it's easy to dismiss these patients and go, well, oh, it's just, you know, they're just psychological or whatever. Just give them some meds and kick them on. Right. Way. But
0: then they're psychological because they feel miserable. Right. right. Well,
1: that's <laughs> very important. I mean, right? right,
0: right. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, okay, if we your call body these isn't things working. Like, your brain is Right. The difficult work. patients are right. the ones who are really suffering, right? That's yeah. why they keep coming back. That's why they're irritable. That's why. And you so, and your doctors
1: uh, called you a difficult patient.
0: Yeah, I mean, I call myself a difficult patient. And, you want to be a know, difficult know. patient, but <laughs> uh, but it's the difficult, right? It's the difficult relationships that force us to grow. I mean, mm. we have to start asking the question, like, wait a minute. And I would say it's like any other relationship, right? Even if one person is the one who's sort of being dismissed and is kind of miserable i mean both people in the relationship know it's not something's not working yeah, that's right so even before i got sick i knew that the tools that i had in my doctor's bag were really limited i, yeah. I already knew that but that's kind of the best i could do
1: yeah, but you didn't know what else was out there right and i think exactly. you know i mean you and i both have the experience of being knocked to our knees in order to figure out a different way I, yeah. I don't wish that on all our medical colleagues no but i do wish they would understand that that the paradigm that we learned is only part of the story yes. and that yeah, everything I learned in medical school is useful and I use it and I rely on it. But there's another meta layer yes. of understanding how the body is organized. Because those are just the piece parts. Like what does the puzzle look like when you put it together? Mm-hmm. That's what functional medicine is. And it's okay. such a powerful model. It's what we do at the Ultra Wellness Center in Lenox. You know, I have uh, three other doctors, two PAs, five nutritionists, and we work with people from all over the world. We've like you know probably over 70 years of clinical experience together and it's just amazing the kinds of things that that people can recover from and now you're doing that in your own practice you've written this great book brave new medicine which is a really fabulous story about how you as a physician understood that there's a different way to heal your illnesses and your autoimmune disease and all this weird nonsense that we don't know how to deal with in medicine
0: right and sort of just what does it look like the lived experience um you know to your point, though, I mean, um, I um, right at the end of my book about this essay, this famous essay called "Arrogance," back in I think it was 1980 in the the um, New England Journal of Med- Medicine. Editor at that time, mm. or he had been retired. Ingelfinger, he was dying from cancer oh. and had written this uh, very provocative essay, where I mean he was talking about arrogance at the time, and I would say it's prob- arrogance is probably not the you know, not the vice of today. I think it's more um, just not seeing, right? Not seeing or denial. It's A little bit of hubris,
1: um, a little bit of denial. A little bit,
0: right. <laughs> um, and he had posed the question: what would what would medicine look like if one of the prerequisites for all doctors entering medical school was that they had a serious illness? Yeah. Like, what would it look like, right? Yeah. And so. Yeah, would there be more empathy? Would there be more belief? I mean, like this this one of the central questions in my life has always been around belief. Yeah. Right? Like what is true and what yeah. is not true? How do we make ourselves believe things if we don't?
2: Yeah.
0: Um and Yeah. And like how do how do we start with that? Like as a doctor? Like just believing yeah. all patients. And that's really important um,
1: because, you know, As physicians, we were subliminally trained to have a dismissive attitude to many categories of patients. You know, if you had irritable bowel, well, that was in your head. Or if you had chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, or if you had, you know, even more serious illnesses like Crohn's or colitis, well, that was psychological. Yeah, it manifested physically, but, you know, these were trouble patients.
0: Right, right. I mean, which is so ironic and unfortunate, I mean, for everyone. I mean, like, I know for myself and many of my colleagues and friends that I know went into medicine to alleviate suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, how much of it are we perpetuating? And you know, one of the, the themes also that, um, that comes up over and over again with chronic illness, and I know for myself too, is you know reaching that point of hopelessness or helplessness. Yeah. And there becomes a learned helplessness on top of that when you get punted from doctor to doctor to doctor. So are we perpetuating illness as well through this system? And, you know, I, so yeah, would I want doctors to go through this? I mean, hell no. Mm -mm. But, you know, so I sort of turned that question on its head. Like, what would medicine look like if doctors, nurses, healthcare practitioners had an immersion in wellness? Yeah. Like, what if doctors, right, were taught to sleep well? What if doctors were fed well in their training? What if doctors, you know, no, I'm serious. what would it look like? What would medicine look like if we could Sleep experience? Sleep and lunch are
1: considered weaknesses in residency training. <laughs>
0: oh, I know that. I know that. And, uh, uh, but would we, would we have that experience then mm. to be able to translate to yeah. our patients? Right. I mean, we're ultimately teachers.
1: Well, that's what functional medicine is. It's the science of creating health. Yes. And when you do that, disease goes away as a side effect. Yes. And, you, and you're right. I think, you know, if you look at most healing traditions, a, a lot of shamans or healers went through some crisis, some health crisis, yes. some trauma, something. Some initiatory illness, that was, yes. It was sort of help, you know, sort of select them to be healers.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we don't do that anymore. We just have the hazing of medical school. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that makes us all kind of unwell in a way. And we sort of then normalize that absolutely yeah
0: yeah and and then we sort of pass it on right it's it's a kind of trauma it is it's a kind of trauma and then we pass it on to our patients inadvertently Mm. so how do we break that cycle and you know i would say one thing though just to um to bring up related to that in terms of my healing was it was hard for me i mean even when i found functional medicine um i just it was easy i I just had such little energy that Mm. it was easy still for me to have uh, hope. Fa- I called it hope fatigue. Yeah. Right. To try another thing, try to try else. again. Yeah. And what I ended up um, discovering that was easier was to release. So instead of sort of going, you know, trying to think positively, trying to be optimistic, mm. which were things that. Um, you kind of you know, have to
1: surrender to it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, because. Yeah. Those qualities feel like sunlight to someone who's suffering from a migraine, right? Like, I know I need that sunlight, but it is killing me right now. Yeah. You know, my husband was this sort of embodiment of resilience and confidence and optimism. I couldn't stand to be around him. You know, it was stressful uh, from where I was. And so what I ended up stumbling across was, oh, my God, like, I'm carrying around a lot of grief. Mm. Okay, yes, I've got... You know my lost identities and time lost and all the suffering, but like, you know, all this stuff came out. Right? Yeah. I went to a grief ritual. I yeah. didn't. Even, I didn't know these things existed. But yeah. you know, back generations ago in cultures, those were like soul detoxes. Yeah. Right. Like, how do we do that? That's right. <laughs> like,
1: it's not a body. How, I love yeah. that soul detox. How much are we so carrying?
0: Yeah. That is subconsciously programmed into the way our dna folds you know into the way mm-hmm. our our uh, neurons are wired and so you know and grief is in is non-discriminate so like mm. i thought i was going for my health you know just the yeah. loss of the function of my body yeah and all this stuff came out cobwebs yeah. right yeah. <laughs> um from childhood from you know residency relationships in the past and and then the shame the shame of having these This mysterious illness, yeah, the, doctor, the shame of being a doctor who cannot figure it out. yeah. and um that was really, really healing. so then, as as you say, like as a side effect, what ends up filling up that space is health. yeah, right? It is, oh, I suddenly become more optimistic. I, I have more hope because there's space for it. Yeah, it's not something that I have to will myself in order yeah. to get because I couldn't do that.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, and so you you've taken all you've learned. You've been through you know so many different cycles of struggle, and you've yeah. recovered and come back on top. And you've yeah. written this book. And and you know what's beautiful is you know it's really your your story, but it's an inspiring story, and it's a it's it's a, sort of a window into both sort of how in traditional medicine we kind of miss the boat a lot of times, and how you can on your own become empowered to. Sort of find a brave new medicine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but you yeah. also share at the end of the book, you know, 15 steps that are about healing, about how to care for your body and how to heal. So in a way you sort of sort of make it really simple for people in how to actually create health for themselves. Can you take mm-hmm. us through those?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the steps were um, uh, ones that we covered. And so the way that I um, sort of live through the experience of my healing journey is um, you know, it was really through the journal that I kept. And the journal was um something that I'd kept since I was a little girl. And so when I began, when I sort of made that shift, like I've got to try differently. Go back to pathology 101, review inflammation. Okay, what's my first step? Like this is gonna be my experiment. I'm an N of one. I'm my own doctor. I'm my own patient. Life is the experiment. Step number one, ask new questions. And so then, you know, number two, I think was the resetting my inner clock, right? Mm, Number three. So I kind of, um, yeah, I just build it stepwise as I'm living through uh, my healing journey. So it's a how to, but it's sort of. But it's really detailed. I mean, it's really beautiful. It's simple. Like,
1: how do you set your rhythm? How do you sleep? Yes. How do you give yourself permission to receive and have people help you, right?
0: Right, right. Which was, yeah, it was really challenging. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I stopped driving for a, quite a while. And, yeah, most people were just like, oh, my God, that's just horrible. You know, like, how do you get, a, you know, you can't even get around. And, you know what? I started thinking about, like, who, who can I carpool with? Yeah. Who can get a ride from? It ended up being a strange community building yeah. experience. And, no, we can do it
1: ourselves. I can do it myself. Right. right. And
0: then I realized also, I don't have to live my life so fast. Right. Mm-hmm. I can slow things down. I can wait for a carpool. Um so there's a lot of things I think that happen with healing like for instance a diet I might prescribe a diet that's that's healing for myself or my family mm. or my patients and maybe it's less about the diet per se than just getting them to connect to their food right right getting them to connect right. to their bodies right. and they're paying attention and they're treating themselves with love like yeah. you know so how much is that
1: right um beautiful you have, yeah you get a daily dose of nature detoxify your house yeah. and yourself and it's really well laid out and very simple. It's almost like you've taken all the concepts of functional medicine and traditional Chinese medicine and everything you know about healing and integrated medicine, and put it into really very practical, simple yeah, things. And some of yeah. them are kind of strange, like let your intuition tell you, your thinking mind mm-hmm. where to look next, right? So now
0: it's that's about- a that's a quote from that I took from um, uh, Jonas Salk, mm. right? One of the inventor of one of the polio vaccines. Yeah. And that was another thing that was um, was sort of reassuring to me when I when sometimes when I thought, well, I'm getting too woo-woo out there, but really looking at scientists, you know, forefathers of modern medicine, who were they they let their intuition sort of Mm. guide their discoveries. So I was like, oh. Again, it's, like it's not a woo-woo. Shower, Why are we and... calling it woo-woo? It's right. actually very human. Yeah, it's We've so just true. forgotten it in our culture.
1: So and there's so many so, great other great yeah. things, there, like heal your gut and the yeah. basics of a 30-day diet reset, which is super important because diet drives so much disease, as people know, Yes. and breaking old habits and just le- having pleasure and looking for root causes. Mm. I mean, surviving love and loss, really, really fantastic. Claiming mm, thank your purpose, you. Thank you. finding your story. I mean, these are just... Real nuggets of wisdom around healing that you've really come to the hard way. <laughs> yes. And, uh, Practicing
0: pleasure uh, <laughs> is my favorite prescription. Yeah,
1: that's a good idea. It's like amazing
0: that. how many patients won't do that unless a doctor prescribes it to them.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really true. I so, think we yeah. we don't we don't prioritize fun and play and joy right. and
2: right.
1: It's so great. Well, you you just have shared such a wonderful story about how sick you could be how sick we get and how much illness there is and your own road out of it um i think is inspiring for so many people and i i think i, I really uh feel like that's really why you do what you do it's why mm. i do what i do it's why we spend time teaching and sharing because there are so many people who suffer unnecessarily who suffer needlessly mm. and there is a way forward so yeah, thank absolutely. you for sharing that
0: thank you so much for um having me and yeah i would just You know this this taboo about doctors not disclosing their health problems um yeah it's um there are a lot of doctors suffering out there too it's so true
1: yeah i think you know my advice to doctors listening is to tell your story share with your patients absolutely don't have this you know doctor patient relationship which is sort of very distant and estranged Mm -hmm. be be a human let them know who you are and right that always works and <laughs> it's it right, builds a relationship right. it helps them know that you've suffered through it and right i mean even if you haven't suffered you can share something so
0: absolutely thank, thank you. you for
1: sharing your story and everybody should get brave new medicine a doctor's unconventional path to healing her autoimmune illness it's been out since september 1st 2019 it's a wonderful story very inspiring and very practical um so thank you for joining us
0: Absolutely, thank you. And
1: you've been listening to The Doctor's Pharmacy. This is Dr. Mark Hyman. If you love the show, please leave a comment. Please share with your friends and family on Facebook or Twitter or social media. And if you don't already subscribe, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time on The Doctor's Pharmacy. So two quick things. Number one, thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. It really means a lot to me. If you love the podcast, I'd really appreciate you sharing with your friends and family. Second, I want to tell you about a brand new newsletter I started called Mark's Picks. Every week, I'm going to send out a list of a few things that I've been using to take my own health to the next level. This could be books, podcasts, research that I found, supplement recommendations, recipes, or even gadgets. I use a few of those. And if you'd like to get access to this free weekly list, all you have to do is visit drhyman.com forward slash PICS. That's drhyman.com forward slash picks. I'll only email you once a week, I promise, and I'll never send you anything else besides my own recommendations. So just go to drhyman.com forward slash picks, that's P-I-C-K-S, to sign up free today.